This red chart podcast. However, know that our form here is simply to help you in time and space. We have grown. We have grown outside the need for the body, the podcasting body, but we are presenting ourselves for you so that you can know of our peace. Welcome to our harmonious collective of red charts. Welcome, welcome. I'm so glad that together we've evolved. Beyond a need for our physical forms. Uh, I'm uh, Emily Pineapple, and I'm here with Missy. Hello, uh, the very much in the flesh. Very much. <laughs> here. A little too oh, fleshy my for myself. I, I feel a little too embodied most days. You, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, definitely the, the, the burden of corporeal form. The burden. Um, welcome everyone. Today we're going to be talking less about the burdens of corporeal form, uh, but more about Errand of Mercy. That's right, our next Star Trek episode where we get to meet, uh, finally meet. That's right, those contemptuous, cantankerous Klingons. Ah, uh, so scary, so and spooks. their face paint. And doofus haircuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they absolutely look ridiculous. Uh, we get, of course, the the start of basically a million jokes that Matt Groening has done throughout every show he's ever done. Whenever a being has evolved beyond its corporeal form, that's just this. Being yeah. referenced. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, here's a trope mm-hmm. that uh, I've seen in other things, and here it is. It's Star Trek does that so often mm-hmm. where you're just like, oh, that's where this comes from. Okay, or at least where it's popularized, because as we've learned, yes. some Star Trek exists in the 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 meta the metaverse of, of fiction out there. There are elements that are that are sprinkled in from here on out. But yeah, this one, this one felt to me like, oh, interesting. Uh, this beat feels familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- before we get started, Missy, what did you think of this episode? Oh boy. Um, this, so this, I, I'm, this is really funny. So many Star Trek episodes, this is what I feel like. And I'm like, oh, I, I feel so boring saying this each time, but I, it was fine. But man, act one and act two mm-hmm. drag. Mm-hmm. God damn, they drag to get to an act three where you're just like, oh, now things have changed and gotten interesting. Mm-hmm. But you're doing it here at the end, you know. And so it is, it's one of those episodes that feels more like akin to 
a Twilight Zone pacing where you're slowly setting up and then here's a twist and it's at the end. Mm -hmm. And so you really got to enjoy the track that's being laid. And this one just didn't, had some interest. I mean, the Klingons are interesting, you know, Mm -hmm. but it is, it's a bunch of them running around, like essentially saying, uh, we're gonna we're gonna kill you. Uh, I'm gonna kill you. Oh, if you give me a chance, we'll kill you. And then it's just like, well, I mean, someone die or something. I don't know. Like you gotta just, all of us running around threatening each other ain't doing it for me. Um, well, I love that you brought up that this pacing is akin to a Twilight Zone episode because Missy. That brings us to our overview, our very first fun fact of this episode. So it was written by Ooh. Jean L. Kuhn. And written around the same time as uh, <laughs> Amphetamines were executive producing all of his scripts. So this was ah, another fun. week-long script uh, churned out as fast as possible. And it was directed by John Newland. Have you heard of this person? No. I mean, John Newland sounds like a very generic name, but I, I mm-hmm. can't conjure it. Fair enough. Um, I had not heard of this person either. They, of course, wanted Joseph Pevney, but he was busy directing The Devil in the Dark. Pain! So, <laughs> uh, Gene Alcoon was like, I'm going to take a little uh, leaf out of Gene Roddenberry's book and pick someone based on how famous they are. Okay. And their name. But he picked well this time because John Newland was a very, uh, he had been a performer. He had been an actor in vaudeville, all that stuff, and was a pretty well-known director and was especially well-known for a paranormal anthology series called One Step Beyond. Oh, it interesting. Was in, yeah, 1959. And he had this like really intense voice and he would introduce the stories. All of the stories were about Things that had, quote unquote, supposedly happened in real life. So this is Discovery Channel's A Haunting of its time. Okay. But it's also, mm -hmm, it's well known as the precursor to Twilight Zone. And in fact, This came before Twilight Zone. Yes. Yeah. When when Rod Sterling was going to do Twilight Zone, he actually took John Newland out for a drink and was like, hey, man, like, we're doing a show. It's like kind of it, it looks kind of similar to yours, but I swear to God, like it's all fantasy 100 percent. We're never going to suggest that something is true. Like we're not going to be talking about like, you know, skeptics and stuff. And John Newlin was like that Rod Sternberry, uh, Rod Sternberry. Jeans, <laughs> Jeans sneaking in early today. Uh, I wrote Rod that last Sterling. name. I, I put my credit on that last name. <laughs> Rod Sterling. He's like, that Rod Sterling, he's a real stand-up guy. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah. So, that's the deal with this guy. Um, He had worked with uh, Warren Beatty, William Shatner, and Suzanne Plachette uh, in the past on this show. That's fascinating. I'm I'm still stuck on (laughs) that there was a show with a talking head host who introduced Mm -hmm. all the things. And that it came before Twilight Zone because I think mm-hmm. of Twilight. When was Twilight Zone? Twilight oh, it was Zone. the same year. Oh, it was yeah. later that year. Oh, so it literally yes. was. Okay. So it was one step beyond, which I yeah. have never, literally never Me heard neither. about. How did I not hear about this show? I mean, I guess, you know, maybe it doesn't have like good syndication or anything like that. Um, but gosh, that's incredible. Um, 
Yeah. So this, so they brought him in to direct and I thought he did a fine job. Yeah. He did a great job. Uh, they really wanted him back, but he just didn't have the schedule. Uh, he wasn't able to schedule a future episode. Yeah. I see. He just has a one and done on his credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this uh, episode, the title comes from The Life and Adventures of Nicholas Nickleby. Do you have you ever heard this? I tried to read like the plot of this. It's like a theater thing. Have you? He, this Nicholas is a story Nickleby by Charles Dickens. is Charles Dickens. Yeah, I, I. So here's the thing with Dickens. No, thank you. I, <laughs> I, 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 I read some of this stuff growing up, and I was just like meandering. Oh lord! It's how it was published. Like you know, so, it's like it's paid per word, and so he yeah. just like strung. Literally, he strung it out because he mm-hmm. was like, "Hey, if you're gonna pay me for every, you know, because all of his stories, for the most part, except for I think a Christmas Carol, were all yeah. published in like magazines at the time mm-hmm. and like section by section. So like mm-hmm. what we would think of a chapter, or whatever, would just be like in one edition of this paper." And then he'd continue it. So, like, the story went as long as he wanted it to. And mm-hmm. then they thought about, hey, maybe we should put all these in, in a novel together. Um, so, yeah. I, I, I've i seen the wishbone of most of these. <laughs> <laughs> but I there mean, was no wishbone for Nicholas Nickaby. Well, then we're, we're in the same camp. I tried to read the – I tried to figure out why this quote – was was around it's just in there it's just a person says like it's an errand of mercy which brings me here pray let me discharge it i tried my best to read the plot to read the the part of the chapter with that quote in it i don't know the context i cannot understand my brain cannot grok the words the big old words and i cannot care i cannot i i just have to yeah the The Wikipedia, you know, the summary of plots for things that we come on here. I did my fucking best. dozens, over, like, I believe, like, in the 20s of Mm -hmm. paragraphs, long paragraphs, not short paragraphs, long fucking paragraphs, describing what the fuck Nicholas Nickleby is. I'm sorry, this is no longer a Red Shirts, uh, this is no longer a Star Trek podcast, this is uh, now a Dickensian breakdown of, (laughs) of what is happening here. And like Mulberry Hawk, Mr. Yep. Pluck, Mr. Pike, Peg Slitterskew, Wackford yeah. Squeers, Young Wackford Squeers, of course. Yep. Young the, Squeers. Mantellini, the Kenwigs family. Oh, yeah. Che- Cheery Biles. Okay, so I, kn- I knew that he had like weird. <laughs> Vincent Crummies? Crummies, Crummies or Crummies? One either way. I can't handle this. Okay. Uh, we're, and now we're no longer uh, a Dickensian podcast. We're back to Star ah! Trek. Back to Star Trek. Back to Star Trek. I don't even think it's like an in... I don't... It, when I Googled it, I could not find anything but information about this episode. So I don't even think it's like an important line. No. I mean... I don't know. It, I don't they know. take quotes from all sorts of different... Places for you know we got Shakespeare quotes already uh, within here, but that didn't necessarily have to have a Shakespearean <laughs> allusion to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one did, but yeah, I'm okay. That's really interesting to know, especially given that, as you said, the place. N- I I don't think there was a, a a military annexation of a planet in Nicholas Nickleby. I could be <laughs> wrong. Maybe that's what Mr. Crumbles does. Is he? He's <laughs> yeah. Crum- crummy, crummy, crummies, crumbles. I can't figure out. Crummies, uh, General Crummies, the militator, uh, the milit, 
military dictator of Organia. Um, <laughs> but this episode, finally, before we get started, it was popularly known as the Vietnam story. Because oh. that's right. We got oh. another allusion to Vietnam and colonial powers. Okay. Uh, the colonialism I definitely was feeling within mm-hmm. this, but I, I, I always forget contextually. It just feels weird to me. It's like Star Trek and Vietnam are contemporaries to the fact that the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. the Vietnam War lasted longer than Star Trek did. Yep. Like Far longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's where we're starting. So... We open on Kirk and Spock receiving a message from Starfleet uh, that negotiations between the Klingons and the Federation are breaking down and they should anticipate a surprise attack. Uh, And in fact, because of this, they need to get their asses to the planet Organia because it's in the perfect spot for both places to uh, both sides to set up a base, especially the Klingons. Uh, They are concerned because it's a class d minus planet a class d minus civilization what do you think a d minus civilization is well i know what tier listing <laughs> is and i know what s tier and a tier is, so i'm saying a d level is probably one where well i think they kind of get into it when they mention the level of technological progress yeah i'm guessing that's what it has to do with but yeah what is what is a d right. level what <laughs> D, D never, that's, you don't want to get a D in anything. No, no, you don't. That's below, like, if C is passing, Mm -hmm. and C is, like, bad, that's, like, not okay to get a C in my life, at least. Uh, I I do have to give a great aside. We've already had some distractions early on. I'm throwing another one out here. Uh, I live mere blocks away from a university that was famous for a ill-thought-out marketing campaign. Um, the name of the college is Drake. And they're like, okay, yeah. Drake, D. Let's go with, like, a D as our symbol. And we want people to know, like, that we're, we're a better. Like, what, what, and what, when you better something up, what can you do? Let's plus it up. So we are going to give them the D plus advantage. And that was their little motto. And it made it sound like, wow, we're oh. really going to have you ascribe to going for like D pluses oh. in your education. Like that's the, it's like, oh, oh that's our, that's our, our ceiling there is for you to get those things. And they were like, oh yeah. Hey. And I remember seeing this, this was back when Yahoo News was a thing. And it was like <laughs> the first headline on Yahoo News was a thing. I'm like, oh no, what did they do? And I clicked, I'm like, ah! <laughs> so yes, this is a D plus advantage uh, pla- uh, star or yeah. planet right here. Yep, they should have gone to Drake because they need that little plus because uh, they're a D minus civilization, which is just hilarious. But Kirk's basically like, oh, these sweet baby innocents. Oh, they're about to be attacked by these horrible Klingons. Oh, these these indigenous peoples who are so innocent and kind. Uh, it's wild. So the Klingons, or apparently... Named for Gene Roddenberry's friend, Bob Klingon. Oh, okay. Do, yeah. you, do you know, I've never, every once in a while, you th- you have to realize that all these fictional things are made up. Mm-hmm. And like they take, Star Trek takes a lot of stuff from like planets, you know, like actual star systems and things. Mm-hmm. But I have never thought about where the origin of Klingons come from. And to know that it's yeah. just, you know, for someone's friend is both, so. is both great and lame. It's weird. It's what I was able to find all over the internet. But 
It was not in These Are the Voyages, the book that I've been reading. Oh. And the book that I've been reading, it just said that like Jean L. Coon came up with it and Dorothy, Dorothy Fontana was like, yeah, everyone thought it was weird. Cause like, it's like cling on, like you're clinging on something, which is exactly what I said when I was 10 years old watching Star Trek for the first time. These people are so uh, clingy. I'm like, oh, they cling. <laughs> um, and apparently uh, Dorothy asked uh, Jean Elkoon one time, like, what planet are they from? And he said, cling. Perfect. Which is kind of funny. They're, They're from Klingon. Like, that's what they call the planet. Yeah, now. I was just but... going to say, like, <laughs> I have heard them call it planet Klingon, so I, I, I know better than that. Yeah. Um, but at this moment, when we're bemoaning the these poor, innocent, little, sweet babies, oh. we're attacked by a Klingon vessel. Pew, pew. Pew, pew, torpedoes. And so they fight back and they destroy the Klingon vessel. And that's when they get a code from Starfleet. Code one, war were declared. War were declared. Okay, so we we are starting off pretty much yeah. like, okay, uh, this 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 first moment, this cold open moment, wow, okay, yeah. escalation. I'm ready to go. I'm like, yeah. here we are. You know, I know that the, I, we got a Nicholas Nickleby quote leading us off into yeah. this. We've got phasers fired. Let's do this. Uh, yeah, no, Spock's like, it's interesting how often you humans acquire that which you do not want. Baby, don't I know it. Space, the final frontier. Kirk puts Mr. Sulu in charge of the Enterprise under strict orders. Uh, this is the first time we see Mr. Sulu, I believe, in charge of the Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, in future seasons, uh, the rank will the ranks will be sort of like shored up, and the idea is that um, Scotty ranks above Sulu, but. You know, there's a million different reasons why Scotty ranks above Sulu, but the engines are important enough that he should probably be down there. Like, if there's an emergency, he's like, I don't, I don't want to be up in the captain's chair. I might push. I don't want to push the three buttons. The (laughs) the buttons that say eject and the ones that say red and yellow. I don't want to do that. Jettison pod. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which so well, and also with with Sulu being on the bridge and yes. being the flight commander, he also like knows how to fly that the ship too. So it's one of those yeah. things where it's sort of like I at least understand like in a dangerous situation the parameters of mm-hmm. like getting this vehicle out of here at least. Yeah, like, that's you know the big deal in those kind of situations. And that's exactly what Kirk wants. He's like, look, like Sulu, do not under any circumstances engage in any more shit that you see like any Klingons come like just get the fuck out of here uh no matter what you do um this ship which I love like a woman protect it at all costs the other reason Sulu is uh in charge is because James Doohan and Forrest DeKelly DeForest Kelly <laughs> wrong D placement um just weren't in this episode so that they could save some costs. Yeah, I was only realizing yeah. as we're recapping this, it's like, gosh, yeah, this is, oh, I would call this like almost a bottle episode, but it's so expansive mm-hmm. in the number of people yeah. and sets and things they have that it's not that. It just really is mm-hmm. focused on Kirk and Spock. It is. And they were able to save a great deal of money with just less animation. Um, and the location that we're about to see them uh, go to where they beam down 
outside the gates of a perfectly primitive medieval-esque era. It looks like a D-minus civilization to me. And it exists right on that Desilu lot. It was written because they're like, right outside, we have... <laughs> this certainly this felt set. like adventures in pre-existing sets, props, and costumes. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, it's like perfectly D-minus. There's like dudes walking around in tunics, like shit, like tied to their feet as shoes. Um, and they see a giant fortress on the horizon. And they're like, wait a minute, a giant fortress? Like, that's inconsistent with a D-minus society. Um, this is, of course, a some stock footage of the Citadel La Ferriere, a famous Haitian landmark. Oh, uh, yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. I I yeah. I wouldn't have known that was stock footage. I just assumed it was like a a model or you know against mm-hmm. a map painting. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, they never go in it, but they see it, and that's when our buddy Aelborn appears. Aelborn, a random old man in a blue tunic whose name sounds like it should be in Lord of the Rings. It isn't. Celeborn is in. Lord of the Rings. Aelmir is in Lord of the Rings, but no, this is Aelborn. And he's like, welcome, visitors. We're so happy to have you. And Kirk's like, sweet, like, I really need to speak to someone in authority. And Aelborn's like, oh, we don't have authority here. We don't. I'm I'm the president of, of like, the the neighborhood association. I I can do that for (laughs) you. Like, I guess, I guess I'm the authority. Like, I... I'm on the council of elders. Uh, fucking just anarchist goals right here. Mm-hmm. Um, this is John Abbott. Uh, he is a an English actor uh, who played Claudius in a production of Hamlet with Laurence Olivier, Vivian Leigh, and Alec Guinness. Wow. Yeah. I was going to say, this guy has credentials. I was looking at mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. some of the stuff that was in there. And yeah, it, it, it looks like a lot of, of classic theater. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much. Uh, so Spock is like, hey, can I wander around on my own and like get some readings of this place? And Aelborn's like, of course! Our home is your home! Look at what everyone. We see some goats that are spray painted green. I missed those. I missed those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I need to look for the green goats. <laughs> They're great. They they aren't even spray painted well. Like it's just like splashes of green. I'm guessing that they were spray painted as well as some of those Klingons' faces were painted. Exactly. Precisely. Um. So I do have to say, sorry, my favorite two credits of John Abbott's that I, I saw of his is he was um, Victor Frankenstein in The Munsters and Leonardo da Vinci in Bewitched. And I want to know ah. what situation that Leonardo da Vinci popped up in Bewitched. Right? Now that sounds like a caper. Oh. Oh. But, you know, Kirk is already a little bit weirded out by this place they just beamed down into a d-minus civilization and no one even looked up yeah they're like, like none of like, the many random townspeople un- walking around they're unfazed by people teleporting in so there's that there's that but kirk is brought to the council of elders where we spend a lot of time in this episode we spend a lot of this, this first two acts just like 
bouncing from room to room, yep. having discussions, yep. uh, yep. like many episodes. Yep. Um, a lot of just talking, a lot of talking. Talk, it's, it's you know, they could use more walk and talks, but there's talking at yeah. least. Yeah, a lot of talking, a lot of go to room and speak. Uh, but <laughs> the first thing that Kirk does do in this room, and he sees like, hello, everyone, I'm Captain James T. Kirk. Uh, Klingons are coming to fucking kill you. They are going to turn this place into slave labor camps, and it's going to be awful, and we want to protect you from that. Uh, and they're like, oh, uh, you, don't know, you don't need to worry about us. We're fine. Yeah, we're perfectly we're, fine. We're There's a strictly no nonviolent society, so we're, we won't need any help from you. Thanks. We got this. And Kirk's like, no, you don't fucking understand. Like, it doesn't matter if you do not want violence. Like, they are bringing the violence yeah, it's, it's here. It's coming. It's, they've already, the, the, they got the invite, and they're, they're having a party, and they're bringing it to you. And that party is not going to be fun. It's a war party. It's a war party. It's, it's not great. Uh, all these Jews are just smiling, though. They're oh, pleased. Yeah. They are punch. so nonplussed. It, they, there is, there's not a iota of anxiety within any of them. Yeah, not at all. Um, and Aoborn's like, so you're telling me that we either deal with you or we deal with your enemies. Mm, is that what you're telling me, little Kirky? Is that what you're telling me? And Kirk's like, no, you don't understand. And they're like, all right, we see that your concern is genuine. And that moves us. Like, we appreciate that you're here genuinely saying, like, we don't want you to endure hardships. Um. But we're fine. You're in danger, though. Yeah. Like, you, it sounds like you are in a lot of fucking danger. And we need to get you the fuck out of here. Because it, that's violence. Yeah. No. That's when Spock pops back in. And he's like, Captain, our information on these people is wrong. They're not just a D-minus civilization. They've been a D-minus civilization for 10,000 years. Yeah. No, no scientific progress whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Not a it's single a, advancement. Mm -hmm. It's a laboratory specimen of an arrested culture. Um, and all I could think of was the dead dove do not open. Oh, <laughs> I, when you said arrested culture, I'm like, do, 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 do on this episode, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have to do this or you'll die or maybe not. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> this is the story of one spaceship captain and his journey to deal with a crew and their wacky antics. Um, yeah. So this gives Kirk an idea. He jumps back in with the Council of Elders. He's like, guys, guys, guys. Not only do we want to just be here to, like, set up defenses, we could help you guys out. Like, we have vast scientific resources. Mm -hmm. We have people who can come help you educate your people, feed people, eliminate hunger, eliminate disease, eliminate hardship. Yeah, he's um, he's offering him like the keys to the kingdom mm -hmm. there, being like science, science, and they're just like, oh, oh, sweetheart, baby, <laughs> no, no, we don't oh, need this. Oh, that would not do. No, 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 no. But like, almost like interrupting them, Kirk's like, oh, there's someone on my <laughs> on the phone. 
<laughs> She's like, excuse me, I'm getting a call from the Enterprise, which fair enough, it is an urgent call, but yeah. it is really funny to see him be like, no, pro- I, I promise we like super care about you. Oh, oh sorry, I'm getting a call. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I will do nothing until, <laughs> I will stop at nothing, it's- not a moment of my life, won't exist to help protect you all. Hello? Hello? <laughs> <laughs> And that is, of course, Sulu going, we're under attack. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of Klingons here. Sorry, Captain, we're, we're under orders GTFO. Yeah, we're GTFO. And Kirk and Spock are being abandoned. This one guy on the council, Tulane, to, to I think, or Tufane. Yeah. Um, he seems to have a lot of information about what's going on. Kirk has just gotten this call and he's like, yeah, there's like eight ships in around the planet. And there's about seven, there's like a bunch of men outside the Citadel. There's like several hundred men outside of the Citadel. They have a lot of weapons. And Kirk's like, how the fuck does he know this? Cause dude's just sitting there. There is nothing yeah. and, technological. And there's no sensors. We know they don't have like a computer that's hiding. Yeah. This is, you know, spoiler alert. This is not a computer runs the entire thing thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and Aoborn's like, oh, he's just really intuitive. He's just an empath. (laughs) (laughs) He emotionally feels like there's that many people out there. And when he does, (laughs) it's probably his reality. So, um, he's like, you can rest assured this guy is correct. Dun, dun, dun. That's when we cut to see a bunch of Klingons taking over the city in really bad brown face makeup. It's, it's so bad. bad. And I don't mean when 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 we're saying bad, it's we don't mean like culturally insensitive bad, which is also true. It's just badly applied as well. It looks horrible. Yes. It looks it, bad. Yeah, it looks like they put shoe polish on a sponge. Yeah. And just kind of smush it around. And so when they walk around the court, like you can see you can see coverage. This is my drag race stuff. I, I I'm not good with makeup, but I know coverage, necklining, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Everything, like you could see their white skin. And so it mm-hmm. looks like brown face, especially because they they're not doing it all like well. And it doesn't look mm-hmm. good under whatever camera conditions they're using. So it clearly just looks like they like they have shiny faces. It just and they and and we th- this is a proto Klingon. We talked about this last week, but this is a proto Klingon design to what that you who who love Star Star Trek are thinking of. And it just was like, yeah, dark paint on normal people's faces, and their haircuts are like doofusy. It it almost yeah. looked more like, except for the leader, I would say everyone else almost looked more Centurion kind of like. Yeah, they, you know, like it felt more like that than than I know in the script he basically was saying like, can you do something more Asian with it? Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't get that except for the commander. Mm-hmm. So in the script, uh, they were only described as Oriental and hard faced. Nothing else to give them any guidance yeah. as to how these people look like aliens. Uh, and so it was uh, Colicos, John Colicos, who plays our commander, Kor, who we're about to meet. He is the one who gave them that look. He, like, walked in there and they had, like, some stuff for him. They're like, uh, we, have, we have to figure out what's going on with Fred B. Phillips, mm-hmm. who was the makeup guy. And so he spent, like, about an hour or so in the makeup tent and was like, well, if they're supposed to be oriental and hard-faced maybe i'll do sort of like a genghis khan (laughs) yeah yeah 
And I noticed, and it sure looks like that. It, like, it, it, it was interesting. I I noticed something about his background, which is um, his dad was Greek and his mother was Canadian. But I I heard there were, apparently like Greeks were used a lot in yes. um, this era to play mm-hmm. any race that wasn't white. Um, yep. Which is displayed Greeks by the fact that, yeah, um, when I go to when you go to his Wikipedia, um, unfortunately, one of the images that is shown is him dressed as a Indian chief of some sort in a film called War Drums, and it yep. looks bad. And by this, we mean cultural appropriation, bad. Yeah, it's it's not nice. It's not fun. Um, he did specifically think that there was green in the brown makeup like Mm -hmm. to make it look alien and i think that it probably did offset like out of the camera it probably looked green i could actually see that green i i did see the tinges of it but it 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 looks too it looks too brown to do to be like it's it's not like green like alphaba from wicked yeah it is like if you took literally dark like not dark brown like medium brown paint and then a darker green and mix those two Mm -hmm. together it'd be like well there's there's like um zest of green yeah. within the paint but yeah, yeah no it just no no it uh it doesn't look great and that's what happens when you have to produce something really quick uh another reason they were under the hot seat is because gene roddenberry wasn't around during this time where was he where oh. was gene well, Jeannie, he was in the hospital. Oh, wow. He got so sick. What did he get sick with? This little contracted illness called silicosis. In fact, it hadn't been seen since like 1905. Wait, what? How do you get silicosis? Um, You do things like grind precious stones like opals without wearing a mask. What? Because you're too macho to wear a mask when you're doing your gem hobby. So I'm, and you give yourself silicosis. So I'm guessing silicosis is like silicon. Yeah, but like so like rock particles in your lungs or something. Something like that. Yeah. I'm scared like to search silicosis. I, I I will be brave. I will search silicosis into Wikipedia of all places because I'm going to see nasty Ooh. shit. Uh, if it's on wiki, they will show you all the, the gross details. But I need to know Ooh. what silicosis is. Silicosis. And the the part about him being too macho comes from Mary Black, which was John D.F. Black's wife. He had been on the writing staff. He was no longer by this point. He was one of the people that didn't want to work for Gene anymore because mm-hmm. he felt like Gene did not stand up for uh, the writers enough. Um but yeah, I don't know that there's going to be pictures except for lungs, which look pretty bad. Uh, I can't. It, I can't even find it directly on Wikipedia. I have to go to because um, because silico. Well, also silicosis just also means having to do with uh, silicone. Here it is. Ooh, mm-hmm. a yeah. slice of lung. Oh my god, they have cross sections. You can see mm-hmm. slices of lungs with silicosis. Everyone. Oh my god, a miner's lung. Oh yep. fuck my face! Yep, it's exactly yep. what I said. That it, it, it's like that looks like what is it? Black coal lung, whatever they call it. This is uh-huh. holy uh-huh. shit. Well, I did that. I did a thing. <laughs> this I'm yeah. I'm I feel bad for Gene, but yeah, wear a fucking mask when you're doing your your mineralogy, Where folks. A 
fucking mask. Um, <laughs> so that's our, our story of the Klingons. Um, so the Organians are like, fuck. You guys are in trouble. We're going to give you some costumes so that you can pretend to be Organians. And that way the Klingons won't get you. And we're worried about you. And with Mr. Spock, they're like, we'll just have a cover story. We'll say that he's a Vulcan trader. Yeah. And that he trades in these things. And it's like, okay, Mr. Council of Elders in a D minus civilization, you know a lot about Vulcans and trading. Um, but that's cool. Uh and basically at this moment um our klingons walk in our klingons walk in and we meet the horrible commander core military governor of organia yep strides on in he's like and, and he calls himself the military governor of organia which is the planet they're on so he basically is yes. walking in being like hi i'm your leader hi i'm your leader he's great he looks yes. fantastic. Um, they have his costume. It, it does look very Centurion. Um, but what it is, it's burlap sack, painted gold. And then the buckles that the Klingon belts were, were just pieces of bubble packs with the bubbles painted silver. So that it would look like there are metal studs. Um, so he walks in and basically immediately picks out Kirk. He's like, all right, you're all standing there smiling at me, but who's this guy? He's the only one here without a fucking smile on his face. Yeah. Yeah. And he points at me. He's like, Hey, Hey human. What are, who, who the fuck are you? Yeah. Who the fuck are you? You're the only one not like smiling like an idiot at me. And they like cut to the council of elders. And these dudes look like they're doing their best not to crack up. Like, it's it's kind of great. Um <laughs> like oh him oh he's uh, that's barren us. He's you know one of our dudes here on the planet. Yeah. He's just a he's a a leading citizen. He has a reason to be in here. Um and immediately Core is like a Vulcan. They're part of the Federation. We're going to have to make sure that what he says is true that he's not a spy. And they're about to take him away when Kirk's like, no, no, he's not a spy. He's, don't take him away. And Kor's like, whoa, coming from an Organian, what you did is practically rebellion just now based on how pacifist all the rest of these people are. Yeah, he's basically like, oh, so one of you can get a little heated here. Mm-hmm. And basically also like, uh, because they kept calling him quiet before and then pointing out like, oh, yeah. now you're talking. Now yeah. you have something to say. Like, oh, now you have something to say. And he's like, so do you welcome me? They're all welcoming me. And he's like, well, you're here. There's nothing I can do about it. And Kor's like, yes, good, honest hatred. Thank God yeah. there's anyone here who I can feel at any bit of ease with. And he's just like, it, it's this wonderful, um, the way these two men are towards each other this whole time and how core is just like oh thank goodness a masculine man yeah it feels yeah. very very like early pulp sci-fi like super homoerotic shit it where it's like yeah it's the point where if they if they tried to one-up each other 
anymore. Mm -hmm. It would devolve into them like naked mud wrestling, like Pretty trying much. to pin the other one down, you know, genitals flying in each other's faces. You know, the mm -hmm. most manly thing you could do. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, and he's like, all right, perfect. You know what? You, Barone, or whatever they call uh, Kirk, you are my representative here. You're the only one who I feel comfortable dealing with, honestly. And I'm going to let you know all of the new rules and regulations that everyone has to follow or else death. Easy. Um, and, and Elborn's like, cool. We will, we will, uh, we will comply with any statutes that yeah. you give us. Like we will follow all of your orders. Um, and they, they've been doing this gesture, like putting their wrists towards each other mm -hmm. as like a gesture of greeting throughout um and course like come with me kirk um kirk turns around and does the most passive aggressive gesture ever oh at my god i've council. never seen kirk be that bitchy before <laughs> it's so funny at this point you know so i'm trying to figure out plot and development and stuff and like what's up with these this this plan these people and dudes and stuff so i i was trying to think i'm like it's this like a planet of people who want like want to be ruled by someone and it's like maybe they haven't had a like do you know what i mean it's like no it's we, a sub planet no yeah yeah it's like a sub yeah like a submissive planet and so they're like oh thank god a leader's here we oh rules oh please give us rules we love when you tell us what to do so i really was like is that why they have it in advance because literally no one's told them to do anything so they're like well no one told us to like build you know science and stuff so you know whatever it's like, we haven't gotten our rocks off in 10,000 years. And Kor comes in and they're like, now this is a leader. Oh, my God. Like, oh, Spoiler alert, oh. like, that's not what this is. But it just made me laugh. <laughs> I was just trying to figure out what's going on. It's amazing. Daddy Kor, I prefer thank that. <laughs> I prefer that theory. I want you to cling <laughs> on me, baby. This is the last episode where we hear the term Vulcanian used to refer to Vulcans. Oh. Um, one of the, the Klingons is like, look, a Vulcanian. Um, but they also use Vulcan yeah. um, in reference to Spock during this episode. Um, they just never go back to it. Um, I guess like, I'm cool. assuming Vulcanian was just their attempt of doing an adjective yeah. form of Vulcan, but they're like, well, Vulcan works. Just, just call it Vulcan. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Um, so Kor gives Kirk all of these notices of new crimes against the state and how all of the people are going to be organized into neighborhoods. And they bring Spock back in, who has been declared uh, honest by their mind ripper, which is the same as every other sci-fi mind sifting device. Mm -hmm. it, it rips the thoughts from your mind. And if we go too hard you you die or your brain yep. gets scrambled i'm gonna throw a baldur's gate joke in for people who play it and you gotta make sure you don't have a parasite in there because it's gonna try and pull that yeah. parasite out and you don't want yep. that it hurts no it hurts it hurts bad um but they're pretty pleased with what they've gotten from spock they're like yeah we used force four which should you know be good enough to break down any pretense but this guy all he's concerned about is his trading and his business mm -hmm. so He's good to go. Um, and it's good to know that Spock is good under interrogation. Yes. Um, and Spock calls it an interesting experience. <laughs> it's also one of those things that I, I, I forget that like 
Spock can lie because we're so used to yeah. him just being honest because like logically honesty is is for him like the best yeah. way of communicating because you know they don't want information mm-hmm. to not pass through each other but when Spock has to lie or act uh, it's it's when I enjoy him the most because we just get to see mm-hmm. his like gears turning and in this one it was just funny because it was like oh yeah he sort of enjoyed this little role play session he had yeah yeah uh Kirk and Spock walk through the town basically right after that which is uh, a set that was built like basically on Desilu uh, to be old Jerusalem oh okay yeah, 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 yeah. The, the walls. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So they're walking through, and Kirk's like, "So this mind ripper sounds more like a like a mind scratcher, huh?" And Spock's like, "No, don't go in it. Like, don't, don't do that. <laughs> no, like, I'm a Vulcan. Don't do that. If if someone went in and they were not a Vulcan, that, that would not be good." <laughs> And that's where Kirk almost bumps into one of these soldiers just like hanging out in the square. And he almost goes at the guy because, of course, the guy's a soldier. He's all like, oh, you ran into me. And Kirk's like, oh, Um, but Spock jumps in. He's like, oh, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. (laughs) Oopsie poodle. Soldier man. Oh, that's. We're so sorry. And we're so subservient to you. (laughs) And they're like, "Okay, fine. Thank you for our Uh, rules, daddy guard. (laughs) and uh, they they sort of walk off and kirk continues to do his super passive aggressive hello gesture at everyone it's fantastic (laughs) um but kirk's like how can we convince these people that they need to strike back like eventually they're going to grow weary of being under klingon rule you know right now they're they're they don't seem too bothered by it but we've been told that they're brutal and they've said that they're brutal and that they will kill people um and that they are you know they've they have promised death brutal colonizers i don't understand at what point in history they would be able to draw this from (laughs) what, what, what could they have pulled this from um and kirk's like Maybe we should engage in some direct action. Ooh, love this. Leftist fighting fascism Kirk. Um, they're like, all right, let's blow up a munitions dump and uh, do a little a simple plane communicating, uh, as Kirk mm-hmm. calls it, tonight. And Spock's like, what a meritorious idea. Um, yeah, Spock's totally on board, which is, which, which is uh-huh. odd that Spock is pushing... A society to become more aggressive but logically when yeah. they are at a war that they did not mm-hmm. you know ask to be of i get it but yeah i i thought mm-hmm. spock would push back but no he's like let's do it boom boom yeah let's do it so that night um they gather in front of a bunch of corrugated cardboard um, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll blow it up with a grenade that they call a sonic grenade but it looks like a normal grenade yeah and but it gotta a big go explosion fast. happens. It gotta go fast. Uh, and it's big old explosion. They take out a guard during it. Presumably they don't kill him because then they said they were going to kill a thousand Organians for every one Klingon who's killed. Yeah, they set that expectation pretty early. And it's like, okay, so they, the, the threat, so we have the threat from them, but it's obviously a outsized threat in terms of like mm-hmm. what they would want to do. Yeah. And it's a 
like this is the first part where I really think that like being a modern person watching this, um, it's kind of interesting because they are like reckoning with violence. Yeah. Like they're basically like calling violence upon innocent organians when it isn't their choice that either side is on their planet. Yeah. So they're sort of there and then deciding to fight for them Mm -hmm. when they haven't asked for that. And in fact, have been very specific and clear and like one can be, you know, say like, okay, well, if they weren't all knowing energy beings, it would be pretty bad for them right now. Spoiler. (laughs) Spoiler. Spoiler. (laughs) It's not as if we alluded to it at the top of the episode. Uh, um, yeah, it, well, and there's, yeah. there's, it's, it's interesting because it is just like, I also wonder if there's an an element of uh, nonviolent protest being mm-hmm. mixed in here as well, which would have been very True. prevalent because of the civil rights movement. And so I, mm-hmm. I, I had wondered if that was a bit. I, I didn't think that explicitly about it, but just in terms of the general like resistance movement and things like that, like yeah. if that was some illusion. Now that I know, like Vietnam is very mm-hmm. much on the mind of this. It's like, oh, now I have a specific understanding yeah. of yes, what they are they're doing here, and so it is coming yeah. from a. Uh, 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 proxy, proxy war, war. yeah, exactly. Yes, kind of situation, exactly. yeah, where like you're not totally behind what Kirk and Spock are doing, even though in reality, one should fight yeah. fascism. This is the beef between the Federation um, and the Klingons, it has nothing to do mm-hmm. with the Organians, and they're and yeah. both sides are trying to get the Organians to like have any reaction, really. That's mm-hmm. the weird part, is they're just like, give us anything, yeah. Um, so there's a huge explosion, and Kirk's like, ah, oh, what a satisfactory display, Mr. <laughs> Spock. Very cute. And we basically cut immediately to Kirk, like, turning around in the council room, like, yes, I did it. I yeah. blew it up. Cut to. And then it's like, Extremely oh, comical. that was bad. They're like, that was very, very bad. That was violence. That was chaos. That mm-hmm. was destruction. Destruction. They, they were really yeah. honed in on that element of it. The destructive mm-hmm. force. Yes. Uh, and Kirk's just like, we wanted to show you that you can fight back. Mm-hmm. We assumed that you believed that you weren't able to fight this fascism at your door. So we wanted to to show it to you. Um, you can win. You can make this planet not worth their time. You can do resistance things. You can slow down their operations. You can do all the things that one should do if they are... Uh, you know, under the rule yeah. of fascism. It's like, hey, do you want to do yeah. some scorched earth on yourself? Like, just, it's it's so weird. Yeah, it did. Again, all of these things that historically I know we're actually talking about in our actual strategies in terms of, like, mm-hmm. colonization you want, versus yeah. uh, with natives and, and Aboriginal people and things like that. But it's just, it's weird to see it all mixed up in Star Earth Trek. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's wild. Kirk is like, they're just like, Captain, please never do such a thing again. Yep. <laughs> Just, we're not about it. We're, we don't want to hear about your resistance strategies. Never do something like that again. And Kirk's just like, do your personal freedoms mean so little to you? Um, Kirk, does your personal freedom of privacy mean so little to you? Because maybe you should have thought about if they bugged the goddamn room. Uh-huh. Maybe the Klingons want to listen to the governments of the people that they are trying to conquer. 
that it, it was it was one of those classic boner moves by by mm-hmm, Kirk. Mm-hmm. They are obviously being bugged. Core is like hanging out in his office, listening to this whole discussion. Um, comes in right away, kind of pissed at fu- as fuck. He's just like, "All right, grab like Barony, like grab the the Vulcan." It's always the brave ones who die. And he like spits this at the council. He's just like, I hope you continue to savor the sweetness of your life. Like you disgust me that you are giving up this person who, yeah, they're fighting me, but they're fighting. Mm -hmm. And that I admire uh, versus you like dumb pacifists. And Aelborn is like, oh my God. You can't submit him to violence because Kor is like, all right, we're going to put him in the Mind Ripper and then we're going to kill him. And Aelborn's like, whoa, 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 you can't commit violence. I'll tell you everything you want to know. This guy's Captain Kirk of the USS Enterprise. Thanks, Aelborn. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, man. Kor's like, ooh, 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 ooh. I got a starship captain. Ooh, ooh, ooh. He's like, of the USS Enterprise? Like, he knows exactly who Kirk yeah. is. He's like, ooh, and this is the first officer? Like, he's like a kid on Christmas. Um, And he's like, he negs the council again. He's like, oh my God, not only were you giving me the only brave person here, you're giving me this grand warrior? Like... I was really excited to, you know, face him in war. Yeah. I wanted to have like, a, a ball-slapping naked yeah. fist wrestling with him. Like, straight up. I want to shoot my uh, my proton semen shots at you. Pretty much. Um, and Kirk is like that, too. He's like, you know, as a starship captain, I'm used to the idea of dying, but not for useless fucks like you. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. It, it it's oh god it's oh, this episode is drenched in toxic masculinity which is the yeah. point of it but oh my god that's i think that's also partly why i was just struggling along because i'm like oh mm-hmm. my god just kiss already or like chest bumps yeah. or whatever it is like come on they clearly want to we we march back into core's office and he's like oh captain would you like a drink like he is ready to be bffs oh yeah with this guy it's as if war is a sport it's yeah. as if they're both like football players on opposite teams but mm-hmm. like super respect each other and all the normal things it's, it's like a remnant of the era of chivalry where it's like, mm-hmm, oh, you're mm-hmm. the you're like the king and the prince, whatever. It's like, well, no one's gonna actually like uh, try and attack you first. Like, the, like the mm-hmm. men that you're sending in are the proxies so that we can get that done. But like, y'all, we respect you enough. And then you know, oh, the battle's done. Hey, let's. I'll go to your court. Say hi to you. You come to my court. Yeah. Say hi to me. And you know, we'll do that later on. Yeah, that kind of bullshit. Um, and Kor's like, look. I know that Starfleet and and the Klingon Empire aren't that similar, but, like, I really admire your species. Like, I just admire humans as a species. We're both predator species. We're hunters. These people were around. They're like sheep. I can't respect them. But, like, I can respect you. 
And he's, in fact, he's like, hmm, I bet it was you who destroyed our munitions last night. And Kirk's like, oh, was it a problem? I hadn't even heard about it. Like, and smiles at him. Like, they're flirting. They are flirting. It's just so coy. So coy. Um, but we get essentially the difference in of philosophies between the two nations. Core tells us that to them, war is everything. War is a way of life. Um, and, uh, survival must be earned. Yeah. The idea that survival must be earned. And so he's like, so Kirk, why don't you tell me the things that I want to know? I don't want to put you in a brain scanner. Like, I don't want to rip your mind apart. Yeah. Like, I admire you. But. A mind is a terrible thing to I waste. To. Yeah. And, and essentially, isn't he like. Oh, when we extract it all, by the way, we're going to extract all your memory. Like, it'll be gone. It'll be drained yeah. when we're done. So this isn't like going yes. in and, and surgically removing a memory. It's just downloading all your data and, and reformatting the hard drive. Yeah. But Kirk tells him to go climb a tree. And they bring him into the dungeons where Mr. Spock is waiting. And a dungeon, a classic dungeon set that they already had. Big stones included. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm fire uh it's great so spock and kirk are like look our mission here is to disrupt the klingons being able to take this planet as a base so in order to halt the occupation we're gonna have to do a direct fight we're gonna have to get to core Mm -hmm. like these guys aren't going to help us but who should open the door and walk in right at that moment it's the is the organians it's aoborn and he's like Hey guys, let's go. Like the, your captors were going to commit violence to yeah. you. And we have been consistent on one thing and one thing only. We, no violence. We will not allow violence. Like you, this is, he, he, and he said, but he says it like, of course, this is why I'm doing this. Yeah. Everything it's they, the council always says stuff. Like it's obvious. Like it's, oh, everything yeah. is delivered. Like this is the most obvious thing and everyone else isn't getting it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Kirk is like, we don't understand. You have been, like, telling us you're with us and then turning us in. Like, you're not being consistent. And he's like, I am consistent! No violence! <laughs> Come with me! I think, I think you... Because, well, because they're... And, of course, they're thinking of sides. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you've, like, helped us some. You've helped the Klingons some. Like, who? who is your... who? What side are you on? And they say, we're on the side of no, no violence. Like, what do you, what do you mean, uh, what side yeah. are we on? Um, and they bring Kirk and Spock back to the council room and they're like, don't worry, they won't find us in the council room. Okay. okay. Um, we see Kor being told that the Federation prisoners are gone and none of the guards have any idea how it happened. They're like, it was none of our yeah. faults. Like we, they just disappeared. Like everyone was stationed um, there and it was fine. And then all of a sudden, poof, they're gone. And Kor is like, Fine. You know, implement uh, special occupation order number four, which is kill a bunch of people. And he gets on the the microphone. Yep. And he's like, we want the, our prisoners. We know that someone helped them. We're going to kill a bunch of people every hour, 200 people until they are found. Round them up. And Kirk is just like in the... the council room just like your stupid fucking smiles and your idiotic placidity i cannot get over how much i hate each and every one of you council members 
Airborne's like, we don't allow violence. They've been entirely consistent. Um, And they get the announcement about the 200 people being killed. And that 200 more people are yeah. being rounded up. Yeah. And Kirk is so like, I was shocked. I'm like, oh, wait, this this episode has a body count now. Like, they, this yeah. is this is serious. And uh, they're, again, they're just like, nothing has changed. He's like, they killed 200 of your people. They're like, nothing has changed. Everyone is fine. And no one asks any probing questions except where are our phasers, which they took from Kirk and Spock at the top. Basically, as soon as the they gave them new clothes, they took their phasers. And when Kirk was like, where are our guns? They're like, you intend violence. And so therefore, Easy. no guns for you. So finally, Kirk physically threatens Aoborn. He's like, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Like, I will commit violence mm-hmm. to get my weapons of violence. And Trefane is like, oh my god, Aoborn, like... He's willing to do that. Just give him the phasers. Yeah. It's not going to make a difference anyways. And they're like, yeah, it's in those that cabinet over there. They just give them yep. their phasers back. And they open it up and there's all the weapons just neatly piled. But Kirk is on a tear. He's like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to die for your planet and your silly people. And I hope that you just start think about how I care more about freedom than you do. Literally just being like, I want to inspire you to know that you can die for a cause. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. it's just like, I mean, go off Kirk, I guess. Yeah. So Kirk leaves the council room and the council gather together and they're like, fuck, he's going to do the unthinkable. And they're like, well, we can't interfere. That in itself is unthinkable. And Trophane is like, well, they're not going to do anything until tonight. So we can wait until then. He just knows he's an empath. He could tell. Uh, That night, or rather day for night, uh, (laughs) as we were shot, uh, we see Kirk and Spock behind a bush, and they're, like, talking about the odds of whether or not they'll be able to break through the Klingon forces, and it's very uh, quippy. Um, and they stun some Klingons, and then we see the Council of Elders together, and they're, like, getting ready to go into a meditative state. Uh, and then we are back after they have stunned the guards um, with Kirk and Spock. And now the odds are less than 7,000 to 1. So the odds are getting better. Before it was like 7,030 to 1. Uh, um, plus a 0. 0.7. Remember, you have to include the 0. 0.7. But it's only an estimation. So the 0. 0.7, mm-hmm. you know, is as best as, as Spock could get. And so Kirk takes Spock's hand for a moment. And they run together down the corridor. <laughs> and they find Kor's office. Kor's like, Congratulations! You've done so well to get past my guards. I admire you and your masculinity so much. Um, They take his phaser and Korra's like, you know, like, we know that the Federation fleet is coming here and we have our own fleet ready for them. In fact, we're going to win. Like, you're losing today. Maybe you'll, you'll win later. The fortunes of war are what they are, but I just accept that. Uh which is wild. And he's like, let's just drink. Let's toast the victory of the Klingons. Um, and you know, what's even better about us Klingons is that we all operate as though we are one. We all operate together for one 
direct uh, goal. And we're always watching each other to make sure we're all on board. Even commanders. Of course, that room is bugged also. And in run a bunch of Klingon guards. Everyone jumps to try and get to their phasers so they can shoot each other, but then they drop them suddenly and they go to try and fight each other physically, but then they can't, they have to, they have to let go of each other. And that's when the council of elders walks in and they're like, guys, we're so, so sorry that we had to interfere, but we have been extremely consistent about there not being any violence. Sorry. Um, He's like, call your enterprise, call your ships. Like, they can't commit violence either. In fact, if any of you try and do something violent, the thing you're going to try and use is going to be a, a million degrees. So you have to drop it. Um, he, they basically do what Gandalf did uh, with the three hunters, uh, with Aragorn, yeah. Gimli, and <laughs> oh Legolas. When, like, they try and get him yeah, when he comes back as Gandalf yeah. the White. And he's like, oh, my sword, it is too warm. <laughs> So Kirk calls the Enterprise and Sulu's like, I don't know what was happening. We we're closing in on the Klingons when suddenly all the controls became too hot to handle. Lol. And they 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 drop it it's like it's hot. A great line. Because it is. Drop it like it's hot. And Aoborn is like, hey guys, as I stand here, I also stand on the home planets of the Klingon Empire in the home planet of your Federation. And I am putting a stop to this war. It is being done. It is It is already being done. Kirk and Kor are pissed as fuck. Oh my god, yeah. They're like, we have legitimate grievances. They have been killing our citizens. They've been strangling our trading routes, you know, and they're just yelling these things at each other. Um... Kirk says, you don't have the right to tell us how to handle our interstellar relations. We have the right, and Aoborn says, to wage war, Captain. States' rights to do what? Right. Yeah, exactly, Captain. States' rights to do what? You think you have a right to kill millions of people on your Mm -hmm. way to, quote, peace. Like, that's what you think your right is. Yeah. And Kirk's like, no one ever wants war, but there are proper channels. People have a right to handle their own affairs and eventually we'll have an Aelborn's like yeah eventually you'll have peace yep. after a bunch of people fucking die um, you will work together in the future in fact which is true the Klingons and yeah. humans do work together in the future I thought that line see that line job out of everything was most fascinating to me as you mm-hmm. said because even within um, uh, the movies I believe it's the last movie the sixth one involves a Vulcan, or it's, it's the Vulcans and the Klingons and humans, um, I believe, getting together and like doing a, a, like a pact to try and like ha- a cease do a ceasefire. It might be the Romulans are involved. I can't remember. But um, and then like a rogue Klingon is basically like, no, I want to keep warring, and I'm going to try to do all that I can to like make this not happen. So yeah, it just was wild that yeah. I'm assuming the writers at some point of a future Star Trek stuff pointed to that line and being like, well, I guess we can finally do this. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and Captain Kirk is like, okay, you can say all of this and apparently we have to believe you, but they killed your people. 
they have been killing your people. Clearly, you have to see that they are bad and we are good. Yeah. And they're like, Captain, no one has been killed here. Not in over 20,000 years. And in fact, your emotions are really discordant to us yeah, right now. And now. In fact, we just can't take how hyped up you are. It's it's hurting us, actually. It's really, ooh, ugh, yucky, icky. There's our Twilight um, Zone reveals coming. In, in fact, everything that you've seen here is just a conventionalization for your puny human minds. We are beings of pure energy, pure thought. This is what Spock is saying. Totally incorporeal. Not life as we know it at all. It's like, yep. yeah, but not as we know it. Now, uh, we'll, get to, we'll, get to, we'll get to the end of the episode, but I want you to remember those two words, mm-hmm. pure energy. We're going to come back to pure energy. Yes. Yes. Um, these creatures are apparently so far above ourselves as we are above the amoeba. Um... And Kirk's like, okay, uh, well, I guess that takes care of the war. He, like, turns to Corey. He's like, well, I guess that takes care of the war. Yeah. Uh, we're not allowed to war anymore. So uh, that'll be fine. Uh, and Cora's like, ah, oh, it's a shame, Captain. It would have been glorious. It would have been so yeah. much fun. I feel like they should, like, make out a little bit before they go uh, back And again, we're... Where you know, I'm very queer, and I'm I'm I am open to sexuality in general. So I'm not trying to project anything onto this and be like, oh, is this me looking at it? No, these two are DTF. Like yes. it really yes. is one of those things where I'm like, God, you all like just have a weird like bromance that I can't understand. Because especially that it's centered around like, mm-hmm. oh, our ability to get like the ability to kill other people and order other people to kill. Yeah. Like it's it's wild. Um <laughs> back on the Enterprise, we get our final quip from Jean Alcoon. Spock says, You've been most restrained since we left Organia to Kirk. And Kirk says, I'm embarrassed. I was furious with the Organians for stopping a war I didn't want. We think of ourselves as the most powerful beings in the universe, and it's unsettling to discover we're wrong. And Spock's like, Captain, it took millions of years for the Organians to evolve into what they are. Even the gods did not spring into being overnight. You and I have no reason to be embarrassed. We did after all, beat the odds. And Kirk's like, no, 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 we did not beat the odds. We didn't even have a chance. The Organians raided the game. Yep. Do, 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 Balance, oh, sorry, Errand of Mercy. Errand of Mercy. By Gene L. Kuhn. Um... Final fun fact is that the audio clip of Spock saying uh, pure energy, pure thought, totally incorporeal is used by a band, Information Society, in their song, What's on Your Mind. I I was going to bring it up if you didn't. This is a, so I don't think I've ever really talked this much about it. I am obsessed Mm -hmm. with 80s synth pop. It is my favorite genre. 
I fucking yeah. love it. I, I'm obsessed with the song Obsession. Uh, you know, uh, I've had the song spinning around like a record baby. Yeah, like right, one baby, round, right? Round. I've had that song stuck in my head round, for round, uh, about a month round, round, now. It just nice. gets on there. Like, it's great. Um, but this one is, it's one of those synth pop hits I forget exists. And then it mm. pops up and I'm like, oh, fuck, it's great. And they use that line, pure energy like a lot during it. It's mm-hmm. a sample drop and it's so cool. But yeah, some people, if, if it's the song goes, I want to know what you're thinking. Is there something on your mind? That one. It's so, oh my God. Ooh. It's so good. Yeah. This is a, I think, I believe they're probably one hit wonder, but uh, go, Missy encourages you. Go, go find the song. It's very fun to listen to. Amazing. Um, I actually have a final, final fun fact. Um, a Clockwork Origin is the episode of Futurama in which um, P- Professor Farnsworth sets a bunch of uh, robots to evolve. And on the final day, they evolve into pure thought, pure energy. Yeah. Ha ha. Another little, little illusion in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was really interesting. Like that was the most interesting part of this. And it happens within like the last five minutes. And mm-hmm, I mean, I could mm-hmm, even say like mm-hmm. probably last three minutes, but still it is just like the reveal. It's all been a build up to this is why they are non-corporeal. Mm-hmm. So like violence doesn't mean anything to them. Like they can't yeah. be violent because they don't have, they don't have matter for you to do. And it, you know, it just explains all of the stuff, like why they haven't progressed, why, you know, uh, they're unconcerned. Like it answers all the questions that you might have getting set mm-hmm. up. But it's funny because now in a sci-fi thing, that would almost feel like a cop-out to be like, oh, yeah, they were pure absolutely. energy the whole time. <laughs> just like, ho-ho. But in, yeah, but it's just interesting to see like a very early example of that. And I'm, and I'm sure something that's been like, it was, it was a part of fiction before. I assume there had to be stories about you know, different forms of life and, and energy forms and stuff, but I have to assume but but like, there was nothing I saw that felt as specific yeah. as this, uh, as specific, at least as the things that are definite references mm-hmm. to this. I, I'll also say we have so far as this is the, the other reason why I, I think it's interesting is that this is also the other with another episode um, with a, uh, uh, oh god what's his name it's not charlemagne it's um char tremaine, tremaine. that's what it's Trelane. i like how you got from charlemagne to Trelane. i like that but they're right um so Trelane and the reveal at the end that he's just a kid mm-hmm. you know what i mean yes. and it's like oh they're also sort of energy whatever things or at least different dimensional mm-hmm, things at that mm-hmm. point it had that for, sort of feel to it it felt like that sort of like ousting at the end of like oh and here we go um mm-hmm. But I, but the introduction of the Klingons, the discussion of like nonviolence, there are a lot of super, super interesting themes and is what a very kind of dry episode. Yeah, that is, that is how I feel as well. Um, I'm excited for what you're going to think of next week's episode because these final couple of episodes they were basically done like over the course of they were all no one knew that they were going to have more episodes so they whipped these ones out 
They whipped these ones okay. out. There were 26 episodes, and NBC ordered four yeah. more. Oh, I was, and they're like, fuck, we yeah. need to have something to do. Because what I know is that the, the, the seasons all have different episode lengths, but also 29 uh-huh. is a lot for one season. That's the thing that was surprised me was that they had a season, because even when you're, fuck, you hit 26 weeks, that's half your year. You know what I mean? And yeah. so a show to be on half the year, like that's sort of a normal for a network show now for a run. But then like, you're just going to throw seven more episodes and they're like, oh, and also go into the summer and whatever, you know, I don't know yeah. when these were released, but yeah, it just, that networks don't do that. They, it is no. rare. So this is how much of a hit Star Trek was where they were like, True. we'll take these, we will give you the budget and get a mm-hmm. shitty pounded out like episodes to pad our length because we will take anything Star Trek related that you can give us right now. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and so, so we'll see sort of that difference in quality, uh, between these final three episodes we're going to see. They ordered four, they reduced it to three, uh, and we have three more episodes of this first season. Oh, it's coming to a close so fast. This is so weird. The next episode, the alternative factor. Okay. What do you think? I mean, what the fuck am I supposed to guess with this? Like, something alternate happens. I don't know. Um, yeah. So, what's the... <laughs> what could be the alternate factor? Like, what's the... Okay, so... There will be a scenario. And they will plan oh. that scenario out. They will try to execute mm-hmm. it. But then... Oh, no. There's an element they hadn't accounted for before. You might say it's <gasps> an alternative factor. <laughs> I don't know. I'm curious. I'm really, you know, these these generic episodes, like last week, I really had no clue what Aaron of Mercy was, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Mercy is a big element of this story. But, yeah, I mean, the alternative factor doesn't even give you a key word that you can, <laughs> you can clue into. So, yeah, this could be about anything. And uh, you know what? I'm excited to see anything. Yay. I am extremely excited. Um, Missy. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, God. Thank you, Emily. As always, what a treat. What a treat to get to talk to you. What a treat. What a treat. Missy, as always, uh, live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. I want to know what you're thinking. Is there something on your mind? <laughs>